Firestarter is the 2022 uh, new adaptation of the Stephen King uh, novel uh, that came out. Uh, there was also a prior film of Firestarter. Hey, how's it going there, Jake? How's it going there, man? Uh, Jake Hudson, um, he does a Twitch show, does a lot about all about wrestling, all about that stuff like that. So that's what he covers. I'm interested to hear what you uh, think about the Sasha Banks uh, and Naomi situation. Um, I don't know if you already talked about that already, but interested to hear your perspective on that. Uh, but like I said, so Firestarter um, is the new uh, film based on the Stephen King novel, the new adaptation of that. Uh, this is directed by Keith Thomas. Um, like I said, there was a prior Firestarter film all the way back in 1984 um, that was starring Drew Barrymore. Very, very young Drew Barrymore back in the day. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, so in this film, uh, is all details a little girl with powers, um, and those powers include pyrokinesis um, as well as uh, regular telekinesis. Um, and telekinesis is the ability to move things with your mind, and pyrokinesis is the, ab to, uh, the ability to summon fire with your mind. Um, and she comes from two parents, um, you know, Zac Efron, both of which um, you know have powers as well. Zac Efron in this, in this movie has a form of telepathy. Um, you can basically make people do what he wants to do with his mind by looking at them. Um, also, he's married to uh, who's the actress who plays his wife in this? Um, let me see. Um, she is. Uh, I think that actress is a Sydney Lemon. Sydney Lemon. Okay. Um, yes, you are correct. It is Sydney Lemon, um, and she also has powers as well uh, due to them being experimented on all the way back uh, in college. Um, and when they show them back in college, you see they try to make them kind of look younger by giving them kind of bad hair. Like you see Zac Efron's got like a, a weird ponytail and everything like that, trying to really you know make them kind of college age, everything like that. Um, and it's, it's like it's like it's like they raided the Tyler Perry backlot for uh, wigs. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of pretty much what it looks like. Uh, and they're kind of in this facility. Um, and the people that kind of experiment on them was this uh, group known as the shop, um, as is kind of described. This kind of government agency that was kind of testing people to see if they can experiment on people to see if they can give them powers. Um, and then they end up having a child. Um, and they end up kind of running away from the uh, facility that was controlled by the shop, and basically been on run on the run their entire lives, uh, you know, from these people looking over their shoulder. And you see, kind of them being on the run, they have to kind of sacrifice a lot of normal things that people do, uh, things that when you know now that uh, the main character Charlie, the girl who can, you know summon fire with her mind when she goes to school like she can't have you know you know she doesn't have internet she doesn't have a cell phone you know basically normal things that, that uh, you know a family would have because they are on the run um and you see as she's kind of now she's kind of gotten older um her powers are starting to reemerge. um you know before you see glimpses of that when she was a baby um and i will say kind of the the there's a little bit of a you know kind of a rift between the two parents of how to raise her because you know Zac Efron's kind of the mind that hey you gotta suppress the abilities you know kind of dig mm -hmm. them all down deep but the the no, wife conceal don't feel yeah I mean basically that's his kind of opinion and then Sydney Lemon who is the wife she's all about you know you got to teach her how to use these powers so she can know how to control them and know what to do with them um and you know you you kind of get both sides because one you see what happens 
to you know Zac Efron's character when he uses his powers is like he has a very very bad reaction mm-hmm. to it. You know, nose bleeds, his eyes bleed. Um, you know, it does a lot of serious damage to him. So you get his point of why he wouldn't want to you know use his powers all the time. But he he does on occasion uh, for money uh, to kind of make by uh, to kind of make it. Um, you know, I I will say with this movie, it's it's perfect on um, streaming. Um, I don't think you would want to go to the mm-hmm. theater to go see this because of all the things it is. I mean, it is incredibly generic, incredibly bland um, in every single way possible. Um, when it comes to the villains, when it comes to uh, the little girl, you know, she's got the, the bullies and everything like that to instantly sympathize with her. Um, you got the bad government figures that are here. Um, they're you know, just as bad and generic as, you know, you see. Um, then you also have the character of, the, like, the person who hunts after them, who's the uh, Native American character, who's John uh, Rainbird is the is the Native American character here in this, who's hunting after them for the shop in order to retrieve the girl alive. Um, a lot of, you know, it's all very, very basic um, and stuff you've seen a thousand mm-hmm. times. And that's okay if you can add a nice little spin on it or if you can have great personality in your movie. Which this movie does not. It's just flat and even in the direction and the look of it, um, the tone of it. Um, you know, I think some of the performances, I mean, I think are fine. I think Zac Efron, um, I think Zac Efron's got a lot of potential. Uh, I think, you know, he's. I don't think he's only just there to be a good looking guy. I think, you know, I think he has potential to do some good dramatic work and do good comedy. You saw him when he was yeah. in uh, Neighbors. I thought he was very good in that. Very funny in that. Um and yeah, he's one. He's one of those actors that when he hits, he really surprises me with his range in stuff like in Neighbors, in stuff like a uh, uh, Greatest Showman, where I thought he was excellent, and even in that uh, that Ted Bundy movie he did for Netflix. The movie sucks, but he's legitimately great in it. Mm, yeah, and what was that movie um, he was in? Uh, oh, uh, uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, and too long of a title. Yeah, was that the movie where he was like assistant to like Orson Welles, or he was in an Orson Welles movie? Oh, um, oh, me and Orson Welles. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, uh, me and Orson Welles, which I thought he was good in that. I thought he was decent in that. Um, so I think he's got potential for good dramatic work, and I, I think I've seen him be good at comedy. So it's not that he's not talented. I just think that you know some of this stuff that he's kind of picking is just isn't really good and isn't really hitting. Um, you know, Stephen King, he's kind of had, uh, you know, with his work, has had a reemergence now. You see, like, with Mike Flanagan, like, he does a lot of his Stephen King stuff, and he adapts it mm-hmm. uh, wonderfully. Um, and we'll get into that uh, tomorrow when we do, like, our favorite Stephen King adaptations, and some of Mike Flanagan's work will be mm-hmm. on there. Stuff like Dr. Sleep, um, stuff like the movie he did with Gina uh, uh, Carano, I mean, not Carano. Uh, Carla Gagino. Yeah, Carla Gagino, where he did that movie with her, uh, Gerald's Game, which is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does a lot of great, um, you know, work with Stephen King work. And then also it, you know, that also reemerged. That was also very good. Uh, that got brought back. Um, you know, so you kind of see a reemergence of King's work and people adapt it. Um, Firestarter, I mean, you know, I've seen, to go back, I never watched the 84 movie before. Um, so I mm-hmm. actually went back and watched that, you know, after I saw this one. The first one is also not a very good movie either. Um, you know, it's also mm-hmm. kind of very bland as well. Um, I think... You know, it, it has kind of some of the same issues, same problems. I think a little bit that kind of elevates it a little bit is, you know, you got a good, solid performer, Drew Barrymore, who does a good job as Charlie. And the girl here who plays Charlie in the 2022 version, Ryan Kira, she she's good at kind of screaming and yelling and 
you know, and the, you see some of the fire effects that look okay for a budget for a movie. Um, if I had to guess the budget on this, I mean, this is Blumhouse, so it's probably like $50.25. Um, you know, that, that's kind of producing uh, this. Well, uh, well uh, Wikipedia says $12 million, but, you know, th- it was probably like... Uh, uh, like uh, the one cent you get by purchasing a can of Arizona tea. Yeah, uh, pr- I mean, pretty pretty much. I mean, that's what I was kind of was gonna guess what the budget was between the ten million to fifteen million range. And some of the fire effects they look they look good in this 22, uh, 2022 mm-hmm. version. They look good. I mean, the other fire effects in eighty four was just kind of her just looking, and then some people just getting kind of set on like their arms or legs would kind of get set on fire, and that's kind of about it. And it wasn't really that exciting. This, you see her, like, summon a Hadouken fireball and then, you know, to shoot it at somebody mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's kind of a little bit better. Um, but, you know, it, it's nothing really, you know, this, like, Firestarter, this great work or great material that you're really remaking or adapting, uh, you know, just from the 84, uh, 84 movie version. I heard from the novel. The novel is actually very good. I haven't read the novel myself, but I heard mm-hmm. the novel is, is very good with that. Um yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, this is also in theaters. Yeah, I mean, even though it's on the- in theaters and also on streaming, uh, you know, they say, well, would it be a better option just to sit at home and watch it on streaming? No, not really. Uh, like I said, I think there's other better things to watch on streaming than this. Um, you know, I don't know what else could be on Peacock other than, well, Bel Air, really. I mean, I, I don't know really much else was on Peacock. I know they're trying to come up. Mm-hmm. In the streaming service game. Well, I guess if you want to watch the Saved by the Bell reboot, I know that's on there. Uh, I haven't watched that. Mm-hmm. I hear that's decent, but I heard it got canceled, I think. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, you're not really missing anything by not seeing this. It's just completely forgettable. I saw this movie last week. I already forgot half the stuff, pretty much, you know what I mean, about the yeah, movie. I tr- yeah, uh, I, yeah, I tried watching it. I tried watching it last week. I fell asleep. I tried watching it, like, uh a couple days ago because i knew we were talking about on the show and i still couldn't get through that motherfucker (laughs) yeah um you know what i mean just kind of so many kind of those tropes of especially when they're on the run and you know you meet the kindly Mm -hmm. stranger things like that you know which was also in the first film there's a lot of beats here of the this movie that were also in the first film as well um you know you try to you know more kind of modern updated by you know kind of with the technology that some of the government people use uh, which doesn't really kind of work all that much, just with the powers that some of these people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they're going up against other people with power, like the Native American guy, I believe also has like a set of powers and what he can do. It doesn't really mm-hmm. work. I don't know how like you know how that kind of works. I don't think it's that well explained. Um, and the ending is just you know it, you know it, it just doesn't really also make any sense either of how she was able to do some of the things she was able to do or get into the places she was getting into that also didn't make any sense either um so for me i i would kind of give it a rating of i think skip it for me um mm. would kind of be my rating um if i had to go i mean i don't think i'd go any harsher with it uh just due to the fact like i said i mean i think the little girl's fine i think zac efron's okay um mm-hmm. you know the native- it sounds it's, it sounds like a case, it sounds like a case of everything in this movie is fine it's passable but there's just that little bit of emotion that's missing with a film like this that you kind of need with this kind of story that i hear is in spades in the book which just hearing about that sounds disappointing especially because the film is score is composed by john and cody carpenter yeah which i say what you will about uh 
their work on uh, the 2018 Halloween and Halloween Kills, those scores are incredible. Yeah, yeah. Does, does that stand out in this film at all? Um, to me, I, I don't think so, really, uh, all that much. Um, you mm. know, like you, good, yeah, thank you for bringing uh, up the score. That's disappointing. Uh, the score being by John Carpenter, uh, John Carpenter, legendary director. Um, you know, you know, but uh, yeah, um, that's. I don't think that's any, that's not very remarkable either. Um, and the guy, the actor, he's playing the Native American character, John uh, Rain uh, Rainbird. His name is Michael Gray Eyes. Kind of just you know, kind of stereotypical and kind of I think Native American character really um, in a movie like this uh, to a degree. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, at least they actually cast an, at least they actually cast a native Native American actor in, in this one, and like uh, the '84 version. Who, who was that? Was that George C. Scott that was uh, Rainbird in the '84 movie? I believe so. I believe so. I think so. That was kind of George C. Scott. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, I think it's still a solid performance by him, Michael Gray Eyes. I still think he does a solid job. You know, kind of being the stern, you know, assassin guy that's kind of going after him, which I think is, again, that's another trope with these type of movies uh, that you kind of see. Um, so yeah, I would just kind of give it um, a skip it for me. Yeah, really, really forgettable, um, really unremarkable in every single way possible. Um, you know, but I think Zac Efron does a decent job as the dad. Um, I think there's some kind of good moments with him as the dad. Um, what did you think of uh, Firestarter? Get your thoughts on that. Uh, uh, I saw both versions. Yep. Uh, which one do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the 1984 one, the most recent one? Um, just kind of do a mix of both, uh, if you can. Like, how does the 1984 one relate to the 2022 version? Well, the 1984 one has George C. Scott. He, it has um, Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. It has what's his what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. He was the captain. The captain. He was captain. Uh, in the 19- oh, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. A lot of great, uh, classic, really good actors. And the new version has Zac Efron. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe twenty years uh, from now you'll be going like, "Oh, classic actor Zac Efron." Twenty, thirty years from now, I don't. Uh, don't get me. <laughs> don't get it twisted. I don't dislike Zac Efron, but when you, uh, I decided to watch the new one first and then go back and watch the old one. Mm. Give, mm. give the first one a true fair shake. Uh. Even I didn't watch the I didn't even watch the original the older one and by the end of this um, the new one the new one's pretty pretty first of all the new one's cheap right right from watching it you can tell right away okay this is a cheap Blumhouse picture they did not spend a lot of money on this movie <laughs> you can tell from the fire effects they're very cut and paste uh, the same burning effects on on. Zoom in, put a light underneath the plant, burn it as it burn the leaves a little bit. I will put a little bit of fire here, and then we'll start having uh, people die off camera, and then show back <laughs> up and have like makeup smeared on their body that they got burn marks and stuff. Mm. A lot of cutaways, <laughs> yeah, a lot of cut to different things, and not that many locations. It was. And you can tell, especially when he, near the end of the movie, when that the DSI center, 
Oh boy, is there a big difference between the DSI Center and the new one and the previous one? Mm. You can just tell which one had a bigger budget. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you can also tell the quality of acting. Uh, with Zac Efron, he he is the one who's trying the most out of all of them. He is... Mm. There are a couple of scenes in this movie early on, and I kept... I kept I almost like Corey from Double Toaster, where I'm like, oh, Zach, you're trying. You're trying so hard to make this work, but they've got nothing for you. <laughs> they really have nothing for you in this. He, oh, poor Zachy Poo. Yeah, it really, it really did feel like that. Oh, poor Zachy Poo. <laughs> um, no one is downright terrible but no but there's so many lines of dialogue that just feel so unnatural mm. the little girl is fine but she never rises above that you never really feel you never really feel like this is like a cohesive family in the new one you never feel like this family is mm. Lived a while. You always feel like there's an arm's distance, and, and well, this is the tone the new one kind of takes. I think it ultimately loses something when it gets to the, the final end. You're you're supposed to get this feeling that the government has been hounding them and hounding them always, and it, the way the movie portrays it in the new one, they portray it. Oh well, she's just a freak. She she can do these horrible, awful things, and really. Uh, the way they, they, they change Zacharyphon's uh, character from the original one, or I'm not even sure which, the way they present him, where he's like, no, she's got to stuff it down. Knowing what his power does, why would you do that? You know this is going to lead to trouble. It just seemed like a lot of the decisions characters made either didn't make a whole lot of sense or just felt very contrived. Especially when they bring in um, another character who's a hitman called Rainbird. His motivations in the new one make absolutely no sense. <laughs> he come, he gets brought in. Oh, uh, so so is the head of the DSI. That this one is like. Oh well, I'm a new one. I'm like so. So are you are you making this like a pseudo sequel? Are you doing like a soft reboot? Are you are you trying to talk about the original one but ignoring that incident? Are these these are the same characters, but they're new. This is like new story, but with the same characters. And she has nothing to do. She has no character. She has no nuance. At least with Michael Sheen in the previous movie, he was very excited and giddy, and he wanted power, and he wanted to have possession of it. He wanted to study it. There was a clear fascination with him. He was driven by his own uh, desires and his own desires and his position. And uh, you just can't beat Michael Sheen's acting the way he's the way he's acting in that role. And even it's fairly limited. You can still get a lot of personality from him. And the uh, and in the character of Rainbird, Michael, uh, George, uh, George Scott, he just goes runs circles around every as any other actor in that new movie, and uh, in the old one, he is just doing such a great job playing this evil character of Rainbird. Mm. He's so good at playing it. There's this wonderful scene where the lights go out, and he's trying to get on the little girl's side, and he's so good at, at tricking her that. You kind of follow with the movie as well. You kind of like, he kind of, he goes, bounces back from being very, like, uh, Joe Schmo to then being frightened and using that vulnerability to get close to her and then very acting very grandfatherly 
and kind of weaseling his way in, but making it feel supernatural, very supernatural the way he's doing it. And so you really can see how this guy has been able to do the wet work that he's been able to do. And even if his end goal is crazy, there's something captivating in his performance. The new one... And with the new one, you're just... It, it, it's so hindered by not only its budget, but also the less it wants to give at the end. And uh, I, I don't know... Uh, no, nothing beats uh I, I don't know that seemed pretty slacky to me there's a line that's given in the new one when he tells this uh this girl the girl points to this uh one employee and goes liar liar pants on fire mm. and like burns this burns this woman to death and you're <laughs> like what what am i watching this doesn't make this is just this is just so bad at least in the at least in the uh 1984 one the dialogue between drew barrymore uh, say what you will about Drew Barrymore now. She's still kind of sterile sweetheart. She's had her ups and downs as an actress. Mm-hmm. But she she was a natural actress. She it still is a natural actress. She's fantastic as the little girl in the old one. And he they pair really well with the actor who plays her father in the old one. He does such a they do such have such great chemistry together that you really feel a father daughter relationship. Uh, you mm-hmm. really understand how, like, uh, when he says, like, oh, I'm crazy about you, you can tell. You absolutely can tell that he cares absolutely his whole mind is protecting his daughter. And that's where the real cr- uh, crux of it. But you really don't get that in the new one. Zechariah plays very, like, hands-off with this kid. He plays very, like, eh, you're kind of dangerous, and you need to own up to doing things, and... But you shouldn't hurt people. And at the very end, he's like, "No, nah, never mind. You gotta kill. You gotta. You gotta hurt people." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What's going on, what, man? What's going on? And even uh, the only good thing I'll say about the new one is that it had uh, John Carpenter did the soundtrack for it, and it's not bad mm. for John. But even for John Carpenter, it's kind of it's a weak soundtrack. There wasn't a lot of standout mm. musical score. Which, if you compare it to the old version, John Carpenter also did some of the soundtrack for the older version. He was actually originally set to direct it, but he got pulled off the project. Mm. You can still tell some influence in that when you watch it. It does have a very John Carpenter feel to it. I wonder how long it was into production. But in his place, along with some of the music he did written in the original, they got Tangerine Dream. And you're not going to beat Tangerine Dream at their, in their peak. I'm sorry. They're like, they were the kings of 80s synth back in the day. You're not going to beat that. Uh, and there's really a lot of moments in that original movie where I was like humming. I'm like, I need to get this soundtrack. This is really good. This really sets up a scene really well. Hmm. Uh, I, If I had to rate the new one, I, I would say it's a skip it. You really don't need to see it. There's yeah. not much here. Not much here to see it. <laughs> I'm I'm being honest. There's yeah. Not much no, I gave it to, it. I gave it the same rating. I gave it to skip it. Uh, for the uh, old one though, if you don't mind some cheese, and there's a lot of cheese in it, you don't mind some cheesy acting, some cheesy set pieces, but kind of light is it? But kind of want a little more pulled back Stephen mm. King. Kind of like it's a bit of an underrated Stephen King movie. Check out the 1984 version. I think you'd be surprised how kind of how competent it actually is. And that soundtrack and the acting, there's some there's some good quality little scenes there. 
little moments. And uh, especially between uh, Drew Barrymore and uh, Dorsey Scott and Drew Barrymore and her father. They're they're just really great uh, Mm. reactions between the two. And just having the caliber of actors in there as well, along with Michael Sheen, who just just plays a great slime ball. It's mm. it may not be as uh, nuanced as you might like, but hey, that's Stephen King. Stephen King don't play nuance a lot. He's usually pretty black and white. One of my favorite lines is from the like, grandpa's in the older version, where he they're just like, "Go, go, take the after he's been shot. Go, go, take the jeep. Go, go, take the uh, the whole jeep." Uh, she's like, "No." His wife's like, no, don't take it. And he goes, what are you going to want me to do? I got shot on my own property. They didn't have a warrant. And they showed him, we've already seen all this. What, I'm not gonna, what do you want me to look, look away at this point? Be a good Nazi? <laughs> it's, it's like, uh-huh. you're like, all right, old man, all right. It, at least he was likable. I mean, try as he might. Oh, my God, I, I missed that. Yeah, there's like a useless old guy and his wife in the new one. They could totally just skip that. It doesn't even matter. Uh. So yeah, check out the old one. Give give it a shot. Nineteen eighty four. Uh, if you can find it, uh, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's not. I definitely stream it for that one. Um, yeah, it's right on Peacock along with the new one. Um, you can watch it uh, right there if you have the Peacock service, uh, which is uh, the Peacock uh, is free by the way. It's free, um, so you can just mm-hmm. yes yeah, subscribe to it for free. Watch it if you want to check it out. Uh, Nineteen eighty four version of it. 